Howdy do everybody, this is Dr. Mario Sacasa, and welcome to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. I pray that this episode finds you just well today. Okay, here it is. This is the conclusion of the Hope Leads the Way lecture series. This talk is called The Power of Hope, and it builds on the first two talks, and you know, like the end of any good trilogy, it brings the whole thing together. So in this presentation, I share some of the reasons why we worry, how to approach fear and anxiety through a lens of faith, how to foster resiliency and how to place your focus on the lovely things. Our attention is supremely important in our mental health and in our spiritual health. And so we're gonna dive deep into what that means to actually focus on the good things in life and not just in a materialistic or prosperity gospel type of way. You'll love it. So this talk equips you to find practical ways of living out hope. And in this presentation, I'll also lead you through a guided meditation. Uh, so certainly be ready for that. It is a Christian meditation of the loving kindness meditation, which has been proven or really known to foster gratitude and increase positive emotions in our hearts. So we're going to do that meditation together. So put yourself in a good place where you'll be ready for that. That's near the end of this presentation. Okay, so if you haven't heard the first two lectures, go ahead and check those out. They're available there right in the app. There should be the episodes right before this episode. Or if you're on the website, they should have very clear links to so that you can go ahead and find those. All right, this is it, the conclusion. Let's get into this, the power of hope. Well, good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Yeah? How the past couple nights been for you? Yeah, me, yeah. me. Five star review, yeah, all right, well, I appreciate that. Okay, there we go, there we go. Uh, you can go on my Google page and uh, give me a nice Yelp review or whatever that is you kids do these days. Um, so I'm just joking. Well, all right, guys. Well, here we are, bittersweet, uh, coming to the end. Thank you for everybody who's joining us on the live stream or, or watching this after the fact. Um, I've just genuinely been praying for for this mission for 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 a while now, and uh, and it's just it just feels good. It's been it's been a real blessing, and so thank you guys for allowing me to be able to share these days with you. Um, I'm coming at it today, uh, honestly, a little bit tired. Had some some good sessions today in counseling, um, but but hard. You know, therapies it's work. It's 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 real work when you when you're pushing people through their emotional lives, and um, and it's good work. But it but it but but it's real work as well. So we're going to pray for that that Holy Spirit to give us the energy that we need to to make up for for that which we lack. So before I really kind of get into today's lecture. I want to do a little uh, uh, shameless self-promotion. This is the, the, always the fun part of, of, of these things. Um, I mentioned in passing a couple of times that I have a podcast. And uh, if you don't know what a podcast is, it's the latest rave. Uh, everybody's doing it these days. Um, it, it basically is like Netflix radio. They're, they're, they're audio programming that you, you can access at, at any point. So rather than it being broadcasted over the radio waves, uh, we, re we record the conversation and then we upload it uh, to our website, the Faith and Marriage website. Uh, but it also exists on all the platforms, uh, uh, podcast app on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, um, on Stitcher, trying to get on Amazon here rather shortly. And so I started this, this podcast a couple years ago, really out of a growth out of, like I said, I've kind of had that place in my life where I was really kind of going through some crises and, and having some real doubts um, about what does God want? What is God doing in my life? And, and so it, the podcast emerged out of that place where I was like, I got questions that I really want to get answered. And so I, so I have an opportunity to be able to interview uh, experts, theologians, therapists, pastors, 
artists, people who are kind of in the field and know a thing or two, um, being able to ask them various questions. And so the show is guided by this theme of hope. And so that means we, in the last two and a half years, in the 60 plus episodes that I've done, I really have covered a lot of different ground from relationship advice to, to first five years of marriage, how to overcome uh, surviving in infertility, surviving an abortion, um, you know, uh, uh, questions of transgenderism, homosexuality, uh, you know, finding hope in the hard struggles. I've interviewed Father Timothy Gallagher to talk about the sermon and what's God's plan in our life, how to overcome spiritual difficulties, how to vocational discernment. I mean, lots of different questions that, I, that I've been able to, to ask. So this year, I've had some three, three really good episodes so far. The first episode of the year was with my good friend, Dr. Tom Neal, and many of you know who he is. And we just talked about anxiety, our personal reflections of anxiety. He shared very beautifully about his experiences of it. And then the other episode I had this year, it came out, we talked about shame and what is shame? Why does God allow that? Why do we experience that? It was with the psychologist, Peter Malinowski. And then my episode that came out today actually was a little bit of a different theme, but it still nevertheless was a good one. I interviewed our Sunday visitor uh, to talk about innovation and their new branding and their innovation challenge, which is really, really exciting. If you don't know anything about that, I encourage you to check out the episode. Um, so it's been, for me, it's been another one of these things that I've wanted to do. I purchased the microphone for, for the podcast probably three years before I actually used it. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. It's one of those things where it's like, I had this idea for doing this thing maybe five years ago before, before it became this huge buzz thing. I've, I've, I've been an early adopter to the medium of love podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts for 12 years at least. And so, man, I, wanted, I said, I wanted to do this thing. And so three years ago, I, I mean, five years ago, I should say, I bought the microphone and I just left it on my desk, you know, and, and never used it. So finally, a couple of years, kind of worked up the courage to say, okay, I'm really going to do this and let's get the information I need, put some money towards getting some classes and learning what I needed to learn. And it took a whole year before I actually then launched my first episode, right at the same time that everybody else was launching episodes. So, but that's okay. It's all good. God, God knows what he's doing. So if you've enjoyed my style or my presentation, the content, anything, I think you're going to love the show. Uh, it's a real blessing to me personally, and I'm grateful for, for the people who do listen. I get great feedback. Um, I, I know it's helping folks. Um, so please, I encourage you to check it out. As well as just follow me on the socials right there, Instagram and Facebook, at Dr. Mario Sacasa. I'm active on social media. I, I respond to every comment that comes my way. I regularly post on things that are current social happenings that I have reflections on. That's the gift of social media. It's a quick avenue to be able to kind of share some information and really kind of bless people and help get some conversations going. So check it out, please. Uh, you find it on your phone, any app, on the website, or on any podcast app. So always hope with, with yours truly. All right. So that's the show. Okay. Let's kind of recap where we've been. Well, the first night again, we talked about hope and understanding hope from the science of psychology and looking primarily at Rick Snyder's theory of hope and trying to understand hope as both this thing that requires agency, desire, as well as capacity pathways. And so again, hope is that when we set these goals and we want to make some improvement, even if it's minor improvement, in our life, we want to be able to have the desire for it together with the capacity to be able to increase to do that. When we have both of those, we say we have hope. We have to be patient in the process, again, to, for letting the right opportunities to present themselves. Um, and so timing is certainly important when it comes to seeking those goals. I've shared many examples about that along the way. And I'm sure many of you have examples in your own life. 
So then last night we took that definition and then we blew it open. And we really kind of got into the spirituality and what does God really say about this? What is hope really as a, as a theological virtue, as a gift that comes from God? To truly live with hope means that we actually need to invite God into our hearts and lives and, and, and develop that firm disposition uh, towards the good that he wants. So we shared the Job story. We talked about Job's like just retching of his heart and that, that ver- chapter seven where he's just pouring out and how we, we've, many of us, myself included, have, have experienced that type of visceral prayer in those difficult times and how God emerges in chapter 28 to offer kind of a reminder, not a condemning reminder, but a, but a gentle reminder that, listen, I'm God. Like, like I was, I, I, I set order to the universe. Um, you know, I, we were it's like, we like, trust me, trust me, trust me. And so we, we spoke about hope being this thing that connects us very intimately with God's providence and that every time we, we encounter these limitations, not even just negative ones, but positive limitations in our life, there's always a reminder that there's something more and that something more is God, is God. And I have this passage that I use from um, Benedict's, the 16th encyclical Space Salvi, where he says that, again, God's kingdom is not just this imaginary hereafter. It's not just situated in some future la-la land, you know, that will never arrive. It's just kind of always out there. Rather, what the, what the Pope Emeritus was, in, was reminding us is that his kingdom is present wherever he is loved and wherever his love reaches us. His love alone gives us the possibility of persevering day by day without ceasing in a world which by itself, by its nature, is imperfect. But his kingdom, again, is present wherever he is loved. Think about that. God's kingdom is present wherever he is loved. Wherever we experience love, wherever we encounter love, wherever we express love, wherever we feel love, God is present with us. God is in our midst. God is with us. God is connected to us. God wants to reveal his love to us. And the way that he reveals his love to us is through each other. We are made in his image and likeness. And those of us who who are baptized Christians are sacramental witnesses of his love to a world that needs it. And so we give and we share and we receive and we experience. And together we try to see God's kingdom, God's love, present within our hearts, within our lives, within our circumstances. God's kingdom is here with us this evening. God is with us, lest we forget. You know, if we really believe that, it, it almost feel like you need to like walk barefoot all the time, you know, with such reverence. I mean, we are made in the image and likeness of God. We have to meet each other with deep respect. There is an inherent dignity to every single human person. And we as Christians have to remind the world of this love, of this truth, of this call, of this dignity that we each have. We can do it. What's the song? They will know we are Christians by what? By our love. By our love. We have to believe this. We have to encounter this. 
And so I really want to pick up right there because so often we forget this. So often we overlook this. So often we, we bypass or we forget that God's kingdom is present with us wherever he's, wherever, wherever love exists, God is there. We forget this. Why? Why do we forget this? That's what we're going to be talking about today because it intimately connects us right back to love. So we have to understand a little bit more about our brains and our biology and why we forget and overlook goodness, love. Why do we not pay as much attention to those things as to some of the more negative things that are happening? So let me go ahead and just start with a little bit of a, of a story here, okay? For just a little thought. All right, so let's, let's, let's just play this situation out. All right. You got your six months performance review, you know, and, and, and you're going to your boss and you're like, all right, hey, how I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to this at all. But uh, but I just, you know, just just I'm, I'm here, you know, and your boss is like with, you know, her arms like that. Just kind of like, OK, let's we're going to talk about what you've done well and what, you've, and, and what you haven't done well. And so then you go to your performance review and your boss may lay out 17 things that you've done well and be like, you're on, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're great with the other employees. Nobody has any problems with you. Um, man, you're really on top of it when it comes to your duties. Um, you know, on and on and on. You're bringing in, if it's sales, you're bringing in great revenue for us, blah, 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 this other stuff. But then you always inevitably have to get to the part of the review where you get your uh, growing edges or uh, what's, what's another expression that we use this, the places where you're, in, you're invited to grow as, a, as an employee, you know? That we, we have all these positive terms that we want to say, basically. Basically, the places where you stink, right? That's just, no, I'm just joking. It's not that harsh. It's never that harsh. But the places where you have to grow a little bit. And so you, you may hear one or two things like, well, you know, sometimes you're, you're, a, little, you're a little late coming to work or, or, uh, or maybe there was that one time where you said something in the office and it wasn't kind of, mis it was misconstrued a little bit. Maybe you need to apologize for that, you know, and you kind of hear that and you're like, okay, that's fine, right? Meeting's done, total 15 minutes. 14 and a half of those minutes is dedicated to all the positive stuffs and the nice things. But when you get on the phone right when you're done to call your spouse, what's the first thing that comes out of your mind? The negative. I mean, not even for a second, I mean, the first thing you're like, man, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe I messed up right there. <laughs> I can't believe that like I have to kind of do this. What's wrong with her? What's wrong with him? Why does he even be so nitpicky about things, right? And then all of a sudden, like we fixate and we focus on the negativity. I mean, play this out. If you're a teacher, at the end of the year, you get your reviews from your students, and you, the first thing, you know, you look at them all and you're like, okay, I just want to go straight to the negatives. I got to hear what they have to say. Always, regardless of what it is, you get your report card. The first thing you do is you're looking to see if there's any C's or D's on there. You know, forget about all the A's, forget about all the B's, forget about all the positive stuff. You go right to the negatives. This is what we refer to in, in counseling psychological language as the negativity bias. It's a big word right there. The negativity bias that we all have. It's all built inside of us. Why is that the case? Why do we have a negativity bias that always causes us to forget uh, the good things? This is why. <laughs> because 
We, if you believe in evolution, uh, I believe both evolution and, and faith and science go hand in hand. So I, I, I believe that, and this is what the church teaches, you can certainly believe in a strict creationism. But if you believe in evolution, as long as you believe that God orchestrated every one of these evolutionary steps, then you're okay. If you believe that it's just happenstance and, and, and accidental, that's not in line with the church's teachings. But if you believe that divine providence has led us throughout our evolutionary track, the church says that that's okay. So I'm going to ascribe to, to that aspect of things, all right? So where we kind of come from as humans is that we used to live, right, with, with, with these lovely creatures staring us down. Man, that thing's ferocious, right? I just, you know, I was, I was debating whether or not to even put this picture, but it kind of scares me as I'm thinking about it, right? But there is a reason why. Because we had to be alert and attentive for these little suckers coming around if we were living out in Savannah. See, the price, there's two mistakes that we can make when we see a lion like this. The first one is that we can see the lion, but, 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 but think that it is just grass. It's just, you know, you know, we don't really register it's a lion. We just see kind of grass and we don't really see the lion. If that's the mistake that we make, we're going to be eaten. We're done, right? That's what it is. I thought I saw a rock. I thought I saw grass, but it really was a lion. Oop, there it is. Okay, I'm lunch. You know, that's just how that goes. The other error that could be made is the opposite where you see the rock or you see the grass, but you think it's a lion. You're like, oh, there's a lion over there. That sucker's gonna get me. Uh, I'm a little worried. Oh, it's, it's, it's just a rock, you know. It's just a lion. It's, I mean, it's just, just grass, it's just a rock. No big deal, no big deal. Which mistake do you think is more costly? <laughs> the first one, right? And so the what, what we speculate, what science speculates, is that most of the people who made the mistake of seeing the lion but thinking that it was a rock got eaten and uh, their genes didn't get passed on to us. The folks who made it were the ones who were the people who made the other mistake of saying, oh, there's a rock. Woo, that sucker freaked me out. That rock came out of nowhere. I didn't even see that baby. You know, you get all freaked out and you're a little worried. And you're like, oh, but it's just, it's, it's okay. You can have a good chuckle about that. But nevertheless, those are the folks who we think that kind of those genes are the ones that got passed on to you and me here, however many thousands of years later. So we all have this predisposition to want to like see something or like, oop, okay, got to react, a little jumpy on that. That's all right. Some folks are a little more jumpier than others. I understand that. So, so deal with my silliness with this analogy, okay? But, but nevertheless, the reason is because we have to be attentive to the lions. We have to be attentive to the certain dangers that are absolutely there. We have to be able to respond and react to them. This is why we have this negativity bias. So this negativity bias kind of emerges in a couple different ways. One is in anxiety, the situation like this, when we're talking about we see something and we're like, oh man, that's drawing my attention. I got to pay attention to what that is. When I start feeling that, it's like, okay, I, I got to respond. The heart's pumping. And what's the heart doing? It's pumping in a way that, that's causing me to do one of a couple things. Otherwise, I'm going to engage. I'm going to fight. Or I'm going to flee. I'm going to run away. Either way, I need this shot of cortisol. I need this shot of adrenaline. I need this testosterone. I need, I need this, this jolt of energy to do one of these two things. Fight or fight, excuse me, or, or flee. The other place that this kind of negativity bias kind of emerges is even in social relationships. Because we are social creatures. And we're creatures that need one another. We need community. We've, this is the way we've been designed. 
And so shame emerges as a social marker that times when we feel shame, it's an indication that, ooh, I'm no longer part of the group or I fear rejection or I fear something that's going to put me on the outside. Because if you were on the outside and you were living by yourself 10,000 years ago, you were, you, were, you were somebody else's dinner. It's what it was. You know, we didn't have all the sophistications of society that we have now, of course, with safety and, and roads. And I mean, I don't think there are lions prowling the streets of Tallahassee. Um, bears, I saw, I've seen a bear before in Tallahassee. Saw a bear in St. Thomas More one time. I was leading marriage preparation. That's a funny story. Went out to open the door to, to see if uh, my couples were coming and there was a black bear right there. I was like, oh, that's not one of my married couples. I'm going to shut that door. Call the cops. Hey, there's a, there's a Florida bear running around. Anyways, that's completely an aside. Let's go ahead and get to the next slide. So, we got our good buddy Fear that, that he likes to hang around. Uh, anybody seen Inside Out? Anybody know the context of this? No? Yeah. Only a couple people, really? That's it? What a great movie. This is a brilliant movie. This is movies phenomenal. Thank you. Got kids raising their hands right there. Thank you, guys. We got the Wagners in the house represented well, always. You know, we, this beautiful, this movie, I'm just going to give a plug. Here's my, here's my plug right now for, for Inside Out. It's not, I mean, I know it's not fully a kid's movie. Some kids get it, but most don't. It's really for us as adults. And what the movie is really trying to do is to ask, like, what is the role of the different emotions? And right at the gates, they, they play out. You know, if you don't know the story, it's the story of this 11-year-old girl who has all these emotions in her head and they're mission control and they're controlling all the different mechanisms. And so each of the emotions have their own role. Fear, joy, sadness, anger, and disgust are all kind of living in, this, in, this, in the headquarters of her mind. And the movie does a wonderful job just kind of defining very quickly what joy does, what fear does, what disgust does, what anger does. But then what sadness does, we do not know. And we don't get the answer to what sadness does until the very end of the movie. And that is fundamentally the role of the film, is to help us understand what is the role of sadness, which is really beautiful. So I'm not going to spoil the film. Nevertheless, I encourage you to watch it. It's great. But fear here, as we're highlighting here, as we've been talking about this kind of some of this negativity, some of these negative emotions, it's to get us to move. Right? Whether we're talking about the negative emotions or when we're talking about the positive emotions, emotion, the Latin word really is, is it's emotive. You know, it's like the, they're supposed to make us to do something. Like we're not just supposed to experience it. In turn, like it's, it, they force us to engage in some capacity. In the negative emotion, anxiety in, in particular is one that we were talking about that moves us. It's like we see that thing and like, okay, I got, I got to run or I got to fight the sucker off, you know, do this thing or whatever it is, you know, kickboxing. I'm not going to, I've never fought lion before, so I don't think that's what you do with a lion. Just joking. All right, so, but you got to do something, right? You got to engage. The thing is that, like, the way we've been involved is that supposedly the, the way it would work is that we would fear the lion or the rock or whatever it is, and then we would go back to doing whatever we did 10,000 years ago. I don't even know what they did. Well, I don't even know what they did. They just kind of sat and stared, right? They sat and stared and probably appreciated the beauty and the goodness that was around them. So it's supposed to be a short-term response. The negative emotions capture our attention more than the positive emotions do because they're supposed to be a short-term response to a specific stimulus that we're supposed to specifically respond to and then we go on with. The issue now, though, is that we don't deal with stress in a short-term way. We live in a world where we are constantly bombarded by 
many things that continue to stress us out. Every time I open my phone and I see the unending list of emails, I always feel behind. Am I ever going to catch up to all of these emails? Whenever I go onto any website and I'm bombarded by thousands of advertisements that have been specifically curated to meet my interests, I'm constantly feeling like I'm lacking something. Every advertisement works out of trying to provoke a lack inside of me so that that product can then fill it. So then I'm constantly feeling behind. I'm constantly feeling like I'm lacking something. Every time I go onto the news, it freaks me out. And I'm constantly feeling like I'm afraid of something. And so we live in this world where our, this short-term response actually isn't because we're constantly bucking up into all of these things that are stressing us out. I feel afraid. I feel behind. I, I, I feel like I'm lacking things in my life and constantly pulling at it, constantly pulling at it, constantly pulling at it. And we are not designed to live this way. I reiterate that. We are not designed to live this way. And so we all know the studies. We all know what happens with chronic stress in our life. All of it, it damages our immune system. Hormone imbalances, depletes cortisol levels. It can shorten your life, causes hypertension, IBS, all the stuff that we know happens with chronic stress, yet we don't really have a solution for it yet. We don't know what we're supposed to do. So again, the negative emotions are supposed to be short, respond, kick the lion in the face, bam, I'm done, all right, awesome, now I can go back to hanging out with my boys. But rather, we constantly feel all these threats that are happening around us all the time. And because we're wired to pay attention to all of those threats, we see every single one of them when we constantly feel like we're anxious, constantly feel like we're behind, constantly feel like we're lacking something. And again, because emotion, the worst one in my estimation, if I can just rant for a little second here, not that I haven't been, I'm going to regardless, is the news in my estimation, if I can just honestly say that. Because we're supposed to, like I said, what are we, we're supposed to do something. That's why you feel anxiety. You feel anxiety because your body's telling you engage. Your body's telling you fight or flight or do something. But when we feel like we go into the news and we constantly feel this fear, this fear, this fear, this fear, this side's doing this and the other side's doing this, and we don't even know what to do with it. What am I supposed to do with all? I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with whatever's going on in Washington. I can't even respond to that. Do I write a letter to my senator? Do I write a letter to my representative? Yes, you can do that for sure. Am I supposed to just go into a bunker and start like meal prepping for the rest of my life? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And that, that state of not knowing what you're supposed to do makes it worse. So what do you feel you're supposed to do? You feel like you just have to stay informed and I have to watch more news because that's the only thing that I can do. Yeah, that doesn't work. That's not a good solution to the problem. You got to disengage a little bit. You got to take, take the power back. You got to disengage. So all of this stuff kind of plays into us and we start getting these ruminations and, and these negative thoughts that overtake us. And then when, we're, when we're, we're even in cruise control and we're brushing our teeth in the morning and we're doing the mundane routines and the first thing we're thinking about before we even put the toothpaste on the toothbrush and we're brushing our teeth is that we're thinking about the thousand things that we didn't do yesterday. And we're constantly trying to move and roll and work and doing and there's going to be enough. 
And then when we ruminate, we start thinking bad about ourselves. Why can't I get it together? Why am I not good enough? Why can't I accomplish that thing? Why can't I do, get that tax done? Why did that performance review turn out that way? What could I have done better? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And then when we get into this negativity, what happens is that we get myopic in our vision. We get focused. See, the point is, again, if it's short term, you focus. Okay, locked in. There's the lion. That rock is not a rock. That rock is a lion. I am focused. I don't want that sucker to eat me. I don't care about what else is happening around. All I need to be aware of is that thing right there. And so I'm locked in on that thing. And I want to make sure that I'm fully engaged and fully present to the danger that's coming after me. Again, short term, that makes a lot of sense. Long term, we get fixated on all the little lines that are happening in our life. We get fixated on all the little dangers that are happening. We get completely overwhelmed by them. So what do we do? What's the response to this? Well, this is where we want to start talking about what the role of the positive emotions are in our life. I put this slide up the other day. I, I, don't, I, I wish I had time to go full, full blown into this. This stuff is beautiful. This is the work of Dr. Barbara Fredrickson from uh, UNC Chapel Hill. And she's got her finger on this. It's beautiful. But it's really this. So if the negative emotions are supposed to be quick fix moments like this, what the positive emotions do is that they're really supposed to broaden our horizons. The positive emotions let us become more creative and reconnect with the beauty of the world, not just the threats. See, when we, get, when we just see threat after threat after threat after threat, we forget and we don't see the goodness that is also existing uh, in life. And so when we encounter these various emotions that move us in a certain way, they each have a certain movement towards them, joy, gratitude, serenity, interest, hope, pride, amusement, inspiration, awe, and love. They all make us move in different directions. But the movements that they do is really kind of subtle. See, the negative ones are quick, bam, we got that, great. But the positive ones are really more future-oriented. It's about like, okay, what am I doing? Where am I going? How can I move towards, towards a better place? What, like, what, what, can, what are the new possibilities? What are the things that I can absolutely do? They, again, build their creativity. We, we, you, you, you come up with creative solutions to things. You can't come up with creative solutions when you're freaked out all the time. Because when you're freaked out all the time, all you can think about is that particular threat. If you can let go of that threat and open your eyes to what is there, now you have the possibility of being, of being more creative. And we see this in brain studies. We know that the brain gets really focused when it's in high anxiety. And when it's in a more calm state, you allow more time for creativity. This is why leisure is important. Silence is important in our life. When we leave moments of true rest to happen, we actually start thinking. This is one of the dangers that we're finding with this young generation constantly being entertained with a device. There's all, there's all sorts of studies right now that are saying boredom is good for your kids. Who would have thought that? I spent half my life being bored, you know? Now I got to tell my kids, you got to be bored for 15 minutes. That's your chore for right now, you know? It's just what a different world that we live in. Constant stimulation, constant engagement, it doesn't encourage depth of thinking. That's what these guys are supposed to do. 
So that's why the problem, the challenge is that they're more subtle. They're not as provocative as the negative emotions are. And since they're not as provocative as the negative emotions, we tend to overlook them. We, over, we fail to see the many ways that joy is manifesting in our life or the gratitude or serenity or interest or hope as we've been talking about or pride, amusement, inspiration, awe, love. We fail to see that all of these things are present with us all the time, all the time. We just have to have the eyes to see. Barbara Fredrickson says this. She says, we have more good things happening to us on a daily basis than bad, yet we have to train our brains to be more attentive to them because they are more subtle and not as provocative in our awareness. We have to train our brains to be more attentive to the good things because there's so many darn negative things that want us just freaking out all the time. Now, what she says is that, of course, you don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. And this isn't just about like positive thinking and think your way into happiness and all that. No, 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 no. It's more just responding to what actually is and drawing your mind and your intention to the goodness that's actually there. And what she has come up with is she says that there's, a, there's really a ratio that exists in terms of like what healthy, healthy living is, and it's really three to one. So for every one negative emotion or negative interaction you have in your life, really you want to buttress that with three positive interactions. And so if you have three positive emotions or actions in a day to one, if that's the ratio of three to one, you're kind of living in a healthy way. Anything more than that, of course, is wonderful. Anything less than that, and, and, uh, and it's not good. It's not good. So. This is why we fail to see. We fail to see God's kingdom here on earth. And again, remember what, what Benedict reminded us of. He said that the kingdom is present wherever he is loved and wherever his love reaches us. But we fail to see it because we're constantly distracted by the, by the many lines, by the many threats, by the many ways that we experience fear and anxiety and stress in our life. And stress, again, remember, is pulling us towards a myopic, focused vision so we can attend to the thing. But rather, what the invitation that's here is for us to be a little bit more attentive to the good things, a little bit more open to, to what actually is. And not everything is a threat. Everybody isn't out to get you. The world isn't stacked against you. There isn't a target on your back, like Job said. The world is, and God's on your side, and we want our eyes to be open to that. So as we said, the power to be able to make the determination of what we choose to focus on lies within us. We have the capacity to choose what we focus on. It just takes a little bit of work to get there. If you don't believe me, let's go to scripture. Next passage. Well, I wanted to actually, before we get to scripture, I want to show you this. This is, I took that picture. That's my family right there. Um, this is uh, us in Colorado. And we just need to be, again, a little bit more attentive to, to focusing uh, on the good and the beauty that the world has to offer. Yes, it's brilliant. brilliant. My, my boys are out there in awe, man, of just the, the, the mountains. The first time I saw the Rocky Mountains, I was like, where the heck, I mean, where am I? You know, coming from Southern Louisiana, where literally I live three feet below sea level, literally three feet below sea level. To go up to, I don't even know where we were right here, probably like 10,000 feet up or something like that. I mean, it's just, it's 
remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Like it's one of those things where you see it, you know, and you're like, I get why the, why the Native Americans worship these things. Like, I get it. I get why, I get why you thought that those were sacred. Like they're that beautiful. And the things that are that beautiful should compel us. We don't make them into idols, but what we do is we take them and we see them as sacramental signs. Every one of these beautiful moments, every one of these loving moments are a gift by God to point you, point us back to that eternal reality. We don't stop by worshiping the mountain. Rather, we see the beauty of the mountain and it fills our heart with gratitude. Who are we thanking? I'm not thanking nothing. I'm not thanking the cosmos. I'm not thanking random evolutionary biology. I'm thanking a creator who has an intent and a purpose and a will for my life, who ordered things for me to be at this moment, to be able to see this beautiful mountain. Like that's who I'm thanking. I'm thanking my creator who created these things for me, for us as humans. I mean, you guys realize we're it, right? I mean, I know they got this fancy rover over there right now on Mars trying to determine if there's any evidence of life. They're not looking for intelligent life. They haven't even found a single bacteria on another planet. Nothing so far as what we know. Now, of course, that could change. But as far as we know, this is it. We're it. The amount of things that had to happen for us to develop consciousness and intelligence is so minusculely small. It's remarkable. Read the science. It's remarkable, absolutely remarkable. So we thank God, we praise him, and we focus and want to be attentive to the good things that he's giving to us, regardless of where you are. So here's what scripture has to say. With vigilance, vigilance, what's vigilance? Who's the man who stays vigil? The man who pays vigil is the one who's out. Everybody else is sleeping. He's the one who's out in the middle of the night, paying attention, making sure that the city is safe, that the bad guys are coming. He's taking vigil to guard himself and to guard the people that he loves. That's what it means. With vigilance, scripture says, to guard your hearts, for in it are the sources of life. Be vigilant about where your brain goes, about where your thoughts go, what you're entertaining, or your focus is. What are we paying attention to? What are we allowing to come into our minds? What are we allowing to stay in our minds? With vigilance, vigilance, we guard our hearts. And in this beautiful passage from, from uh, St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, it's just absolutely spectacular. It really kind of hits this point home. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, of course, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about them. Think about them. Ponder them. Mull them over. Focus on the lovely things. Let the beautiful things come into your awareness. Honor them. Respect them appreciate them, savor them, enjoy them, focus, focus, focus. These are not just cute little sayings. They're not just little platitudes that we put on bumper stickers and be like, hey, all right, Philippians 4, woohoo. They're, 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 they're mandates. They're, they're not commandments because I can't use that word, but you know what I'm talking about. They're directives. It's what they are. 
for us to be able to see as God wants us to see. So I could say, you know, in my own life, as I've discovered this, this, this work of Barbara Fredrickson in, in, in positive psychology, I'll say for me, it really has been a game changer in, in, in many ways. Um, as I've mentioned already before, over the last few years, it's really been a journey of, of growth and health and recovery for me that I've walked, as I've been walking away from my own burnout and, and, and bouts of depression that I've had throughout the years, when I encountered this, this really was kind of like the, the, final, the final key that I was waiting for. And here's the irony of the whole thing, is that I was diagnosed with, well, I got COVID in, in November. And as I mentioned, maybe I didn't mention this publicly or whatever, I had about six or eight weeks where I really was kind of not really capable of doing much. I, I stayed at home and I really couldn't move. I got the post-COVID syndrome that many people have been talking about. I, I couldn't go outside. I had real bad light sensitivity. Um, I was heavy brain fog, very fatigued. I couldn't really even write an email. I couldn't like coherently finish a sentence. I mean, it was, it, was, it was kind of at that level. And so because I couldn't output, um, I, all I could do was input. And so I just inputted. And so over the course of those six to eight weeks, I just read. I read like four books during that time about positive psychology and about the spiritual life. And I completed an online course of Barbara Fredrickson's during that time as well. So I just, I just inputted and inputted and inputted because I couldn't output. I couldn't do this. I couldn't give talks. I couldn't record a podcast. I couldn't do any of those things. Didn't have the energy to do this. I just, I just took the time to, to study. And it was in, in God's providence, in God's providence, it was the time I needed to be able to start making sense of what are the particular thoughts that are leading me, that lead me towards depression, that lead me towards anxiety, and what are the thoughts that, that, that don't? And how do I find a balance between the two? So one, when we're talking about vigilance and, and having some focus, it's a both and. One is you wanna be sensitive about that which leads you towards the negativity and stress, but at the same time, you also want to raise up your ability to see that which is good. And it's this both and approach that for me over the last three months now pretty much has, has I mean, by God's grace, you know, I, 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 I haven't had a, a real bout, a real kind of dip in, in, in depression. I've had moments for sure. It's there. But it's been this kind of exercise. You know, when we talk about like mindfulness, all right, here's the buzzword. I, I, I know this is, um, for some people, I, I know that word is, it seems a little new agey and, and, uh, and I'm not using it in that context, all right? As I've said, I try to be strong in both the faith and the science. And I think that that word is, is a good word, you know, in terms of as a practice, a meditative practice in terms of being mindful. Um, it, mindfulness as a whole for sure can have some wonky stuff in it that I will not encourage. Anything that gets into kind of the, 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 the um, a metaphysical understanding of the human person that, is not, that, is, that stands in contrast to the church's understanding, all right? So anything that moves in towards like thinking about you're just nothing or the opposite, you're completely self-sufficient, all that stuff, I, I'm not encouraging anything. But as a practice, as an exercise, as a, as a discipline, um, I think in and of itself, it is in line with what the church communicates. So if we go back to the, the, the ancient first Egyptians, the, the monks, Egyptian monks, excuse me, third century, the, when, when, when monastic, the first early monastic movement, the word that was used to describe those early desert fathers was nepsis. These were the neptic fathers. 
And that word nepsis is probably a better word that's maybe a little bit easier for our Christian sensibilities. And the word translates from the Greek to watchfulness. Watchfulness. And so what these guys did is that they spent the rest, their entirety of their life in the desert being vigilant over their thoughts, living that continuously, and being attentive to what are the temptations. And this is when the first manifestations of like the vices started coming out and, and the capital vices and what they are. So that was the beginning. And then, and then we start moving throughout Christianity and the history of spiritual theology. We get to the, the Carmelites and the Ignatians. But what we see even in, in the, all the spiritual traditions of the church is that there is certainly this aspect that we have some responsibility about how we come into prayer. What happens in prayer is not at all within our domain, but how we come into prayer is. Let me say that again. What happens in prayer is not up to us. That's God. God can do and will do whatever he wants to do at any time, whatever in prayer. How we approach those times in prayer is up to us. And so if we have this capacity to, to be vigilant, to be mindful, if we can use that word, watchful, better word there, if we can be watchful about our thoughts, and if we grow in a capacity to be able to say, okay, let me do the work here where, where now the thoughts are kind of gumming, you know, this is, the, this is the normal path. If you've had an hour adoration, you know how this goes. You get into the hour adoration, you kind of do this little thing, and then you sit down. And then for the first 30 minutes, what are you doing? You're just trying to like decompress and let go and all those things. But what if you've developed some mental discipline that that capacity of letting go is actually an easier and a quicker process? Then you approach adoration with a little bit more freedom. Now I'm a little bit calmer. Then I can just say, okay, Lord, do what you want. Do what you want. The stillness is here. I'm a vessel. Do what you want. I've done my work, and I'm just here, present. You do whatever you want. You read something like St. Teresa of Avila's uh, The Interior Castle, and in the first three man mansions, what she's speaking about is this to some degree. You do your work. We have the capacity to, to do what we need to do. But then whatever God does, and you start getting to the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh mansion, I mean, that's, I, I had to stop reading because I didn't understand what she was talking about. If you've ever read it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, it, it's okay. I, I, know, I had no idea. I, was, I, don't even, I don't even know. I can't even, I, yeah, anyways, it doesn't matter. That's besides the point. Because God, because she was so still and God gave her certain graces of mystical experiences that, that then came. The mystical kind of floating in the sky thing, that's not the goal of the spiritual life. You understand that, right? That's not the goal of the spiritual life. What's the goal of the spiritual life? For us to be able to love as God loves. Whether we float in the sky or not, none of those things matter but whether we have the capacity to actually be his instrument here on earth. And so there are practices that we can do. There are, as I've been saying the whole time, there are things that we actually have the capacity to engage in. And, um, and so I really, I really want to do one. Can, can, can we do a little meditative exercise with the, like the 15 minutes that we have left? Is that, would you guys be open to that? Would you guys be all right with that? I promise you, I promise you we're going to be in prayer together. I promise you it's, it's, it's all, all we're going to be doing is what's called the loving kindness exercise. And, and this is coming straight out of Barbara Fredrickson's work where she's encouraged people to do this. And all we're going to do is we're just going to bless people. That's all we're going to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to focus for about 10 minutes or so. I'm going to guide us through this exercise where really we're just going to take the next 10 minutes and we're just going to start 
pouring blessings on people. But what we're doing that is that it's really about the, 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 the purpose of it is to get us to, to learn how to redirect all the noise. Stop paying attention to all the lions. Stop paying attention to all the threats that are out there. Silence those things and allow ourselves to actually be open to receiving the positive, to receiving the good that God wants to give us. So, you guys be open to play around for a little bit? Yeah? Let's give it a shot. Okay? So, why don't we do this? Everybody just kind of sit up straight. All right? Put both feet planted on the ground. Go ahead and put your hands on your laps or wherever you feel kind of comfortable. Kind of sit a little bit upright. You know, want to make sure that spine is nice and erect and your head's kind of up held high. This isn't about taking a nap. Uh, it's not what we're going to do here. Um, so go ahead and close your eyes. Go ahead and close your eyes. I want you just to focus in on your breath. You can feel the oxygen filling your lungs. And just pay attention to the, the rhythm. No deep breaths, just natural. Feel the rhythm of your breathing as your chest expands and contracts. Or if you prefer, Focus on the breath coming through your nostrils and the coolness of air coming in and out of your nose. And if your brain's going in different directions and you're having a hard time focusing, it's okay. Just, just be gentle with it. Um, bring it back to the present. Bring it back to the room. We're here. We're with the Lord together. Just focus on your breathing. Imagine God's grace coming in, filling those lungs and exhaling out all the stress. God wants to be present. His spirit, his breath is within us. His kingdom is here. His love is present. And anytime your mind wanders, just bring it right back to the breath. Gently, not harshly, not condemning, just gentleness and compassion for yourself. Now in your mind's eye, I, 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 I want you to imagine somebody that's easy to love. Whether it's your spouse or a child or a friend, coworker, 
somebody that, that just makes you smile. And just think about them right now. And if you have nobody in your life right now who's easy to love, then think about maybe somebody in your past, a, a mentor, a teacher, somebody who really, a parent, somebody who really cared for you. Somebody that's easy to think about and have pleasant feelings about. And as you're thinking about that person, I just want to pray for them. God, I ask you please to bless them, wherever they are, Lord. Whatever circumstances that they're facing, you know. You know, Lord. And I just want to pray blessing into this person's life. I pray, Lord, that they may be safe and that they may be free from danger. Please, God, keep them in the safety of your arm, in the mantle of your protection. I pray, Jesus, that they may feel your peace and security, wherever they may be. I pray, Lord, that they may feel your peace, that they may know you, that they may trust in you, that they may hope in you. Lord, I pray that they may feel happy in life, that they may experience some success and prosperity, that they may feel some joy. Please, Lord, bless them. Bring happiness into their experience. God, I pray that they may be healthy. I pray that they may feel strong, feel viral again, feel, feel energy. Whatever other blessings that you want to offer to them in your, in your heart, in your mind, please offer them up. Let's pray for them. Pray that they may have peace. They may have security. They may be safe. That they may have happiness. That they may have health. them, Lord. Thank you for this person in my life. Thank you, God, for bringing her into my life, bringing him into my life. I pray for their goodness. 
pray that they may know you intimately, that they may experience your goodness. And now gently, I just invite everybody to kind of wiggle your toes and your hands and just come back, come back with us. When you feel comfortable, go ahead and open your eyes again. Just kind of reconnect here together. See, you can't help but feel good when you're blessing somebody else. When you're thinking kind things on another person, when you're loving them, loving on them, it revokes something out of you. It, it, it reminds you then of, 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 of goodness, of seeing it, of wishing that for somebody. And then you can return that to yourself. And if we had more time, that's what we would do. Then you start thinking about that person blessing you and and giving you those blessings and restoring that. And so this is what I'm trying to say. We have the capacity to be more aware of God's presence. Little exercises like this. You do that for 10 minutes a day, for three months, you're going to feel good. You do it once, like today, you feel great. But you really want to start changing your brain, do it for three months. And the neurology, the, 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 the brain science supports that we start then making changes into our neural networks. And our brains become more receptive to receiving the good that's there because we're starting to condition it to receive it, to be aware of it. And so that's why these little exercises like this can go a long way. Again, when they're done appropriately, when they're done in, in, in a safe way, uh, in something that genuinely blesses our faith. I believe that. I've experienced that. That's all I can say. For myself, I've experienced it. And so what it has done for me is it's, it's made me more aware, more attentive, more disposed to be able to see God's presence. You know, and even just savoring the little things. Now when I'm like eating lunch, I'm not distracted all the time, but like, not, like I used to like eat lunch in my office and I have my little iPhone and I'm watching YouTube and eating and trying to pay attention to the news or YouTube or whatever it is. And I'm eating and I'm like, turn that off. I'm just going to eat my sandwich. I'm just going to focus on the good of my sandwich. Feel the bread. Taste the Jimmy John's. <laughs> whatever it's not fancy. I'm not eating fancy food. Don't, don't, don't think I'm eating anything fancy, you know? Just, just savor that. Because these little moments, we overlook them. But we have the capacity to be able to see. 
And the more that you grow and your openness to that, the more that your heart becomes hopeful, the more that you become resilient. Because that even in the negative times, you can still see that which is there. It doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. Of course, life's, life's hard sometimes. And things do come upon us that we don't always have the control to, 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 to stop. But we do have the capacity to focus on the lovely things, to be vigilant about those thoughts that lead us to shame, to let go of those thoughts that lead us to anxiety, to guard our heart and to fill our heart with the good things that God is already doing, already doing. And just like in Elijah in the cave, we can be attentive to the still small voice that's always there. But we have to do our part. We have to be better um, and more disciplined and, and more capable of seeing. And so this little exercise that I offered is just one. And if I had another day, we'd, we'd roll through five more. But I don't have that much time. All right? So as we're wrapping this thing up, I want you just to, as we come before the Lord, and, and, and Rudy's going to start playing some music for us um, as we enter into adoration, I pray that, that you may reflect on, on and bring to the Lord whatever it is that came into your mind. If you want to pray for that person, pray for that person. Um, if there's something that's stuck with you over the course of these last three days, something that you want to implement or change in your life, then, uh, then I pray that, that, that you're able to bring that before the Lord. But again, whatever God does in our time of adoration or our time of prayer is up to him. For us, all we can do is grow in our ability to focus and, and, and be that vessel where God can come in and engage and be with us. So that stillness that we're all experiencing right now, let's just bring this to the Lord. Bring this to prayer. Bring this to him as we adore him who created us and as we grow in our capacity to, to, to receive the gifts of faith, hope, and love that he wants to give us. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the series. Again, if you find yourself in a position that you really want to go pray like we did in the mission, we spent a few minutes in adoration. If you want to just go pray and reflect with the Lord, please, I encourage you to do so. But above everything else, I just want you to please be, to please know and, and rest assured of my prayers for you, dear listener. I hope that this series has given you the capacity to re-examine and look at painful memories in your life through this lens of hope and providence that God has given to us, and also the capacity to look towards your future with the fullness of hope. So you can imagine your life being better than what it is now and go achieve those goals that God has put deep inside your heart. Pursuit of goals is part of our journey towards holiness. And so go, be faithful to the desires and the interests that God has put inside your hearts. Go do it, go make it happen, and let hope lead you, please. We are in this journey together, and just thank you for allowing, to, allowing me to be part, just a small part of it with you. So God bless you, everybody. Be good, have a great day.